Looking to start your own website? The first thing you need is a domain name, and the best place to get one is at GoDaddy.com. With your domain registration, you'll get hosting, a free blog, complete email, and much more. Plus, as a MuggleCast listener, enter code RON, that's R-O-N when you check out, and get your .com domain name for just $7.49 a year. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. This is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to MuggleCast, hoping you enjoyed. Dobby, Dobby, come here. Yeah, Dobby. Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce MuggleCast to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because Stuart Craig is a man's man, this is MuggleCast, episode 193, for March the 4th, 2010. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 193, here today with Ben, Jamie, Eric, and Micah. Hey, boys. Hey, Andrew. Hey. I feel like the fans, you know, our audience is primarily girls. They really, you know, I I hope they enjoy these all-boy programs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, we lost Laura to Costa Rica, so, I mean, there's not much we can do about that. Yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) Costa Rica stole her away. We have a big show today. Last week, or last episode, there was no news. Now there's a ton of news. Um, And big chapter by chapter, big show. Big show all around. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Ben Scoen. I'm Eric Scoen. I'm Jamie Lawrence. And I'm Mike Tannenbaum. Micah, lay the news on us. Lots of news going lay on. Lay it on. All right. Uh, start with some Deathly Hollows interviews. A lot of these have been going on. Most of them not really related to Movie 7. You know, the, the interviews weren't done specifically for Movie 7, but a lot of uh, actors and actresses out there promoting new things that they're doing. And, of course, Harry Potter questions come up. And uh, – I guess we'll start with Stuart Craig. He was discussing his career in the Telegraph a couple weeks ago. And, of course, they got on to the topic of the seventh film. And one of the interesting things that he said was that Snape dies an extremely good death. And he was quite upset. Quite upset. Quite upset about it. He said he was in tears. Can you believe that? I, 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 uh... I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, Stuart Craig, he's such a man's man. And to hear that he's crying <laughs> over uh, checking out the uh, scene in, in the film. But that's great. That's great to hear. He said it's the only time he's cried, I think. Does everybody know who Stuart Craig is? He is the production designer. He designs all the amazing Harry Potter sets. And, I mean, he was just he was just on set when they did that. And that's, like, without editing, without hard cutting, without music. Right. You know, I mean, that's how good Alan we're, – we're meant to believe that Alan Rickman's acting was really good. 
I believe Stuart Craig. He's not one to, you know, overhype anything. Yeah, he yeah. Puts he puts himself he, down He doesn't a lot. put out all these stories where he's crying over stuff. He's, <laughs> right. he's pretty solid, tried and tested. <laughs> Unlike everyone else, best movie yet, best movie yet. Yeah, but they're bigging it up, aren't they? Like, everyone's saying how the ending's going to be colossal, it's going to be incredible, it's going to be incredible. incredible. Surely you would say that. You, you're going to have to yes. say that about Book 7, aren't you? You're going to have to say that the ending's going to be the best thing you've ever seen. In the world ever. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, all right. What other uh, Deathly Hallows news? Well, going Dan on? Radcliffe is doing some promotion for a charity that he is a big part of called the Trevor Project. And uh, in an interview discussing it, he also was asked questions about Deathly Hallows. And he's talked a little bit recently about uh, the epilogue, uh, the forest scene filming. Uh, I have, I have audio. You have, have audio. audio. Oh, Would you like audio? That. Yes. Here you go. Epilogue. Have you done it yet? Have you no, seen yourself old? Have you seen mock We've done some tests. Mm-hmm. We've, done some, we've done a few tests, and it does look really, really rather good. And hopefully, the one thing I'll say um, is that my daughter is hopefully going to be played by the daughter of Amanda Knight, who is the head of the makeup department. And she was born a week before I got the part, and is now nine. And so it's the kind of physical embodiment of how long we've been there. Wow. And, so her, and she's got red hair like Jenny and blue eyes like me, so she's perfect to play our, our daughter. A living testament to the passage of time, right? Absolutely right. I couldn't have put it better myself. So that's, that's kind of cool, and they're making it sort of go full circle on a that subtle little way. Cool, yeah. A lot of people had problem with the the blue eyes comment. Yeah. <laughs> mm. What color are Harry's eyes? Not blue. Uh, Green. Green is a fresh pickled toad, <laughs> the one who conquered the Dark Lord. I was like, Green wow, is a pack of pickles. That's pretty cool. But you haven't had that for a while. <laughs> 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 Jamie, your mission is complete. Uh, so, what, what is the Trevor Project? It's um it's for uh the Trevor Project. It's this um it's just basically this hotline that people who are maybe in the closet or unsure of their sexuality they can call and ask for um get some help like counseling sort of over the phone. Why is it called the Trevor and, Project? You know, yes, but why is and, it called uh, that? I guess it's named after someone. Trevor. Probably Trevor. <laughs> yeah, someone <laughs> named Trevor. <laughs> um, and didn't didn't Dan Radcliffe come out and say uh, that he's not gay? He's recently? not gay. Ooh. Sorry, Ben. Oh, <laughs> I saw your disappointed news post, Andrew. Well, uh, I'm going to start a new segment called Dear Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, I, I thought it was kind of, it, you know, uncaught. Like, why is MTV asking? I don't know. Everyone, everyone's dying to know. But Andrew. there's not, nobody's dying to know. There hasn't been some, like, wild speculation over Dan's sexuality. So. Oh, but there has I thought been. there was a Let's while ago. Yeah, there I thought there been. was. I guess, I guess. Actually, guys, I have an answer for you. It's actually, it's named The Trevor Project because it's based on a short film named Trevor, uh, which was a dramedy about a gay 13-year-old boy who, um, is, who tries to commit suicide. So it's actually, um, it's this, this little known short film named Trevor. Oh, okay. So that was how it happened. Yeah. So, uh, he does talk about a lot more in those interviews. They're, they're broken up into about 10 different little segments. He talks about, uh, filming the forest scene with, uh, Gary Oldman and David Thulis. And, uh, also that he's very sad that the end of Deathly Hollows filming is near and that about four or five months are left, uh, in shooting. So that takes us just about up to the summertime. And that's interesting because, you know, they had, they, they started in February, 2009. They started filming in February 2009. They thought it was going to take a year. They were going to wrap up in about March or April. Now it's pushed back to July. So I, I I don't know. Is that a good sign that 
maybe they're they're putting in some extra time into filming these scenes because clearly things have been part. pushed back. They're working <laughs> on third the... part. Or, 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 yeah, or maybe or maybe they're just poor estimators of time. Yeah, maybe too. I guess it it, it probably is hard to predict how long it's going to take to shoot two films back to back. Yeah, that is true. That... And pl- plus they had to break for Half Blood Prince, so they're probably going to have to break for the uh, opening of the theme park. Absolutely. So. uh Another person who's been making the rounds uh, because of Alice in Wonderland is Helena Bonham Carter, and uh, she revealed some interesting information, saying that she really doesn't think that she's going to be in the first part of Deathly Hollows. She says most of her scenes come in the second, so that could give us a little bit of an idea of where these two films are going to be split. So, so her wait, Hermione doesn't um, use the Polyjuice Potion to turn into Bellatrix until the the Gringotts scene, right? Like correct until they have to break into. Her Gringotts fault. Okay, so am I the only one who thinks Bellatrix is kind of hot? She is hot, like in a like, naughty sort now, of do way. You think it's, goth yeah. sort of way. Did you think that when you read the book, or just seeing uh, Helena play her on screen? Well, when I read the book, you know, like I like the power. You know, Bellatrix is very powerful. Yeah, yeah. Ben, Ben, so. are you attracted to strong women? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that is what I'm saying. Bodybuilding women. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, bodybuilding. <laughs> women on steroids. <laughs> uh, well, what else did she say? Uh, well, she did talk a little bit about the scene that Eric mentioned, uh, having to play the role of Hermione, and uh, that it was interesting to go back being 17 years old. She wishes that she could actually do that in real life. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought one of the bigger quotes from her was when she said, I do get a good death scene. That should be awesome. Not my daughter, you bitch. <laughs> yeah, that'll be, that'll be interesting. Yeah, it will I, be. I was thinking about that the other day. Does he say that in the audiobook? Does either Jim Dale or Stephen Fry, do they? Well, I mean, they I'm, must. They, they, they must. must do, but yeah. has anyone actually heard them curse? No, we should get the clip. That's probably a good clip. Not my daughter, you bitch. See what I'm saying? Okay. And I don't think they'd bleep it out. I know. <laughs> like, ridiculous. But it's it's not the first time that bitch was used in the series. No, right. I mean, but he and he does say it in, P- in Prisoner of Azkaban. Like I've heard that. It's obviously a different context, but when it's screamed in capital, who says it in Prisoner of Azkaban? Um, Aunt Marge. Or, when she's, she's talking, talking about, about dogs breeding. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, but that's in a different context. Like. Yeah, that's what I said. I mean, but it's the same word. <laughs> so many people email in and they're like, oh, there's a curse word in Prisoner of Azkaban and you guys missed it. Well, whatever. It's it's a finer yeah. point. We we didn't miss that. We did talk about it a couple episodes ago. So, uh, or, But anyway, so yeah, Helena did say that, that she, her last day of filming was filming this death scene. So I guess that's a good way to go out. <laughs> Can I just make a correction? It's not Helena. It's Helena. Helena. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> wow. You guys. Helena, Helena has been ruling here, Jamie, because we haven't had you, so I, I don't even know the difference anymore. I'm just. You guys confused. say some weird things. I think you that really may do. be the American English, you know, pronunciation gap, but sorry. All right. And then final bit of uh, interviews was with uh, Jason Isaacs, who plays Lucius Malfoy. So he did a, a couple of interviews in promotion of his new film. And uh, he talked a lot about just leaving the Potter films as a whole, that he's done filming, and uh, that he's very upset that he has to part with his wig. And, and, and the cane. And the cane. They should let him keep that wig. They said they weren't going to let him keep it. I mean, it's just like, give it to him. You know that you know they have more than one. It's probably quite expensive, though. I bet it's real human hair. Yeah. Or <laughs> so, some type of thing. Oh, yeah, you Unicorn right. hair. Unicorn hair. <laughs> uh, that'd be pretty awesome. 
I'd wear that. But uh, one one quote from him was, there's one long sequence where everyone who is left standing is there when the forces of good meet the forces of evil. That's got to be a pretty cool scene. Yeah. That reminds me of that giant um, Order of the Phoenix poster uh, that was on like billboards where you saw the good people on the left and the bad people on the right. But you never actually saw a scene that looked like that in the film. It was just you know a promotional poster. So hopefully, what was the slogan for that? I can't remember. I don't. I can't remember it's either. Darker. Something. What are the Phoenix? You will lose everything. Oh yeah, that that was a cool slogan. That was quite good. All right, uh, moving on to some theme park news. Uh, little updates. Uh, we've we've gotten a lot of pictures over the course of the last few weeks since we did the last show, and uh, looks like the theme park is more or less coming together. Well, I would hope so. Yeah, not, not really a whole lot more that I have to say about it. I mean, we got to look at <laughs> some new storefronts, some new aerial shots. Check it out in our galleries. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, there's nothing, uh, I guess, new to report, though. Orlando or Universal Orlando met with the Central Florida Vacation Home Managers, and they revealed a couple of interesting things. They said that there's going to be a frog choir that will perform five times a day in the park. What? Wow. A frog choir. I'm going to go out looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You want a frog pen. Right. And uh, last show we talked about uh, the, all, both video games, EA as well as the Lego Harry Potter video game. And it looks like Electronic Arts will be doing a Deathly Hollows video game. Um, Chutching. Yeah, exactly. And it's probably just going to be part one as we spoke about on the last show, and this came from a, a tweet that was made by James Phelps where he said that he was back at Leavesden for a bit of press regarding the new HP7 game. Looks really impressive from everything we've seen of it. I can't really get too high on that, though. Yeah. They said that about the other ones, too. <laughs> so, whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, like... I'm not, like, losing interest or anything. It's just that, the, the, as we discussed before, the video games are not good. No, they're not. Well, you know, if Order of really, the Phoenix was okay. If they you really wanted to promote this game, um, they should take a page out of this new this new Major League Baseball game that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, the first person to throw the pitch a perfect game wins a million dollars. Oh, game. that's incredible. So what they should do is they should have the first person to beat the game or whatever should yeah. get some type of prize. Like That would really promote it. Or I should work for Electronic Arts. The first person to defeat Voldemort or something. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's a cool idea. Yep. And uh, speaking of Twitter, uh, J.K. Rowling updated her account to say, quote, This is the real me, but you won't be hearing from me often, I am afraid, as pen and paper is my priority at the moment. Well, okay. Okay. deja vu. <laughs> deja vu. I, I just have to complain about this, okay? Here's a woman who has written 1,084,000 words. It, for the Harry Potter books. And this is why Joe is not a good fit for Twitter. She tweets and literally says the same thing she's already said on Twitter. She reuses 10 of her, of these 18 words are reused from her last tweet saying that pen and paper is her priority at the moment. I, you th- this is insane. You think she'd have PR people doing it though? Yeah. I thought she'd have PR In people. In her defense. Joe, I'll do your Twitter. <laughs> your tw- Whoa. Twitter. Careful there. Twitter. Steady on Ben. Careful. <laughs> In, in, Sorry, Joe. In Joe's defense, I think she may not know how Twitter works. Like, I think she may oh, think. Oh, are you calling Joe dumb? <laughs> no. Are you calling one of the most prolific writers of our time? Dumb? I'll tell you what happened. She 
she was she may have been or her her assistant may have been looking at the at replies the recent ones and people may be asking is this really you is this really you so she decided oh let me put out another update for people who may may have not read my other tweets i other tweet singular other tw- no <laughs> yeah, <laughs> her first tweet. three tweets there are three tweets in a row when she first sent it out it was this <laughs> message but in three tweets so i think she just I, I don't know. It's but obviously is, a disappointment to most something. of her followers. But she is writing. Yeah, that was the good news. We hear that she's still working on something. Now, now, do you, think, do you think when she announces announces something, do you think we're going to find out about it via Twitter? Or do you I think she's so. going to, you know, release a press release through her agent? Or, like, do you think, I do you bet think, we'll do you think hear... she's going to use technology to, you know, in advance? I bet we'll hear she'll be like, Maybe like announcement coming soon about something or something like that. Maybe she'll tease us on Twitter and then let the official announcement come out via P- uh, press release. Well, the website's pretty much finished, right? I mean, I don't think she's really going <laughs> to use that anymore. <laughs> she's <done> with that. <laughs> yeah, her website, you mean? Yeah. Who cares? When's the last time she updated it? It's been a while. Well, it's birthdays keep popping up, right? I mean, you get. But the that's all. They're that's all. Uh, yeah, that's automated. automated. Yeah. Yeah, Joe doesn't go in. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, rolls out of bed. Oh, it's Ron's birthday. Updates the calendar. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and some pe- yeah, it definitely would be nice to see Jakey Rowling uh, put out some real treats. And you know, I gotta be honest. I mean, she was at the Brit Awards a couple weeks ago. How that's an that's an all day thing. She could take ten seconds to send out a tweet or two. Oh, yeah, opinion. why doesn't she? I don't know. Well, that, she because she says pen and paper pen is her priority. That's BS. <laughs> So, on lie. the other hand, maybe she wants to put a lot of thought into her tweets. Not, not many people do that. <laughs> this is true. Maybe most people no, are just posting emo. Well, I mean, crap if she really her. wanted to, she could respond to what five tweets a week. Yeah, I can't see her doing that though. She's too. Oh, that'll be that'll get so annoying. Oh, oh, well, mean... What if what if Joe starts being emo on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> I hate this book like, series. I just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I'm Could done. you imagine? Wow. That would be huge. All right, Micah. And the final story yeah, of the day. Along the same lines with uh, J.K. Rowling and uh, looking to appeal to a younger demographic, the Oscar producers asked both her and Stephanie Meyer to present together at this year's ceremony. However, both were not available. Hey, now, do you think who's Stephanie Meyer again? Stephanie Meyer's author of Twilight. Oh no! I know I'm being sarcastic. No. Oh. Yeah. Now do you think this is, this is a symbolic it's be of a feud? feud? There's a, there no. Be, uh, no, it's not I, a feud. No, of course there's not a feud. Yeah, coincidence? I think not, man. No, From no. Like Joe Tatis, there's no such thing as a coincidence. No, you know? no. I'll tell you what it is. It has nothing to do with Stephanie Meyer. J.K. Rowling is not going to fly to L.A. to present an award. That's ridiculous. She doesn't present Why? award. Be- that's She's across too the high world. And mighty. Pen and paper is her priority. Andrew, she can practically charter a plane to herself. I'm sure she isn't going to worry about it. It's, it's not like she has to be at work the next day. I'm not saying she wor- she's worrying about it financially, but we know that Joe doesn't, you know, travel the globe to do PR stuff. She's a very, um... She, private. Yeah, she's a very private person. So she's not going to yeah, go on... But- no, this reeks of scandal. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is, this is the, I have a feeling, mark my words, this could be the biggest thing since Tiger Woods cheating on his wife right here. Oh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Tabloid article. That'd be a good April it's Fool's prank huge. we should write. It's going to be huge. Yeah. All right, let's get to Muggle Mail now. Um, Eric, could you read the first one? 
Yep, first one is from Frankie, age 15, from Adelaide. Uh, he says, I was thinking after your first, after, sorry, after your last episode, 192, that maybe there was something more to all of the death omens than dramatic irony. Because Harry is seeing all of these death omens in Prisoner of Azkaban, he begins to freak out. But I think that this, his fear, this fear is there to show us how much Harry grows over the series. In Prisoner of Azkaban, Harry is only 13 and is afraid of dying, but in Deathly Hallows, he's 17, and while he's still a bit afraid of dying, he sees he he still faces death with putting up a fight. I think this shows again the journey that Harry makes from the start of the books to the end. Of course, the omens are also pretty cool dramatic irony because in the end, Harry does die. Any thoughts? Mm. Well, Ben, does Harry really die? I know you, you've written a thing or two about he this. He should have died. <laughs> he, should. Um, he he doesn't die. I mean, he die, like he, he doesn't die. Goes in, in limbo. He's in limbo. But he does. But- he dies enough to either the part of him that is Voldemort's soul dies. So his yes. Voldemort's soul gets unstuck from Harry. And that and that's symbolic of overcoming death. What 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 Frankie's saying here um about you know Harry being vulnerable when he's young. I think we touched on that in chapter by chapter last week. Jamie, could you read the next email? Destiny, age 23 from Minnesota. She writes, Hi everyone, I just got done listening to episode 192 and wanted to correct something Andrew said, referring to how Hermione got the time turner. He said that in the movie, Hermione told Harry Dumbledore gave her the time turner, but it was in fact Professor McGonagall, as in the book. Schoolboy Andrew, absolute schoolboy. Hermione tells Harry, This is a time turner, Harry. McGonagall gave it to me first term. This is how I've been getting to my lessons all year. Just thought I would write in and correct Andrew's huge mistake. <laughs> love the chapter by chapter segments. Keep podcasting. Lots of love. Destiny. She said little for the record. But oopsies. She, I, I, I don't think she did. No, I'm, I'm reading little. Uh, ben, how about the next email? Claire, 12, from Media, Pennsylvania. Is it Media? Or media? Media. Eric? Is it Media? Media. media. Hi, MuggleCasters. I just learned about MuggleCast a couple of weeks ago. I love the show, but anyway, in episode 192, you were talking about the predictions made in Trelawney's class and how many of them were foreshadowing. Well, if I remembered correctly, I don't have the third book in front of me right now. When Trelawney was going around and telling people random predictions, she turned to Lavender and said, Beware, redhead, or something like that. That is obvious foreshadowing of the Ron-Lavender relationship in Half-Blood Prince. Just wanted to make that connection. Thanks. Look at that little connection. Little Is foreshadowing. That... I've got one on that. I don't I don't think it was. I think that's a good one. But I think it's the fox that killed her rabbit, because that's a foxes are typically red. That's a red he- a well, red the, the head. red foxes. Oh yeah, that's a good that's a good um that's a good idea. Or perhaps it could be both. And we'll talk. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's I both. I don't yeah. get it. I mean, it's, she said, Trelawney tells her to beware a redhead man, not, not befriend and, you know, crush on a red haired man. So I would say and it's a kiss contradiction. Passionately. Well, I mean, the, the relationship ends up failing. So maybe that's why Trelawney would get a prediction to tell Lavender to beware. That's you know? true. That's very true. Maybe, yeah. Okay, Micah, how about you take the next... And uh, by the way, we'll discuss that uh, a little more in chapter by chapter, coming up in a little bit. Next email from Scott21 of Roscoe, Illinois, and he says, Hey guys, I was just listening to your last podcast and thought of something when you brought up the idea that Hermione is older than she should be because of using the time-turner. I think that might not actually be the case. When they are all in the ministry at the end of Order of the Phoenix, there is a Death Eater that has his head fall into a rather larger time-turner clock. 
It seemed to me that as his head was traveling through time, his age was changing. The only reason that he did not travel away to an actual different time could be explained by the fact that the rest of his body was not traveling. If you take these ideas to be true, it would mean that when Hermione is traveling back in time, she is actually getting younger by the amount of time she is traveling back. God, this is an age-old question, really, isn't it? The grandfather paradox. Oh, that is interesting. So, but, but Ben, so, this isn't the grandfather. Paradox. <laughs> it's whatever. It's you, the same you just thing. Try, you you're well, just trying mean, to look if clever, you aren't back, you? If you traveled back to kill your grand, okay, listen. If you go back yeah, in ben, time, just- no, no, Jamie, Jamie, you 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 try to sound British all the time. So just shut up. <laughs> um, okay. His head is shrinking. That's. Is okay, becoming it's a not baby. possible because then if you went, if you traveled back before you were born, what would you do? Like, You'd be nothing to a sperm cell. You would cell? be nothing. Like, come on. But you Ben, Ben, you just like, I just read something out, and you're like, hmm, the Eisenhower paradox. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, Jamie, what do you think of this? Uh, it's so hard to get your head around time travel and stuff. Yeah, it it honestly could be anything. I guess it depends what theory you believe in on why time travel happens. Well, it's an interesting catch too. I mean, it's a, it's a catch because it, it is a con- not a contradiction, but it's, I mean, it's 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 interesting because it's a different observance of time. But I still think I stand I stand by that time is relative, and so when someone's traveling through time, they do not age, uh, though those around them do. That's that's my argument, but. Episode 59 from October 14th, 2006 is when we uh, did an episode focusing on time travel. Also, I wanted to let everyone know, um, we've been bringing up the, the parallels episode. We've been mentioning it a lot. Um, and we're always, we always reference that episode. Micah and I looked into it. It's episode 114. That's when we went into all the, um, the parallel stuff. And we did, we talked about it a little more. On the following episode, episode 115, based on some listener emails. So, if you want to hear our discussion on that, it was, it was a great episode. I'll add it to the wall of fame, um, this week. Check out that episode, episode 114 from September 24th, 2007, and, uh, the following episode, episode 115. So there you go. And the final email today comes from Steph19 of Melbourne, Australia. She writes, Hi, Mugglecasters. I've just got a comment question about Chapter 5 of Prisoner of Azkaban. Just after the Dementor leaves and Lupin goes to see the driver, Harry asks Hermione what happened. She says, among other things, Lupin muttered something and the silver, silvery thing shot out of his wand. Uh, and it turned around and sort of glided away. Don't you think that Hermione would know what a Patronus is? Just something that has been bothering me. Keep up the great work. That is true, yeah. That is very true. Yeah, I mean, Miss Know-It-All. But I, I think from a reader perspective, Joe didn't want to give away what that was just yet. She wanted to keep people wondering for a little bit, maybe. Or Well, it's interesting, too, because I, I've when I read this, I, I read it as, doesn't she know what Lupin's Patronus is? So I was like, oh, well, you know, doesn't she, didn't she recognize the form that it mm. took? I guess it must have been later, though. It must have been. I mean, just because Hermione's read a lot of books doesn't mean she knows everything. Well... Obviously. Yeah, and I mean, what's I found it? I found the opposite to be interesting. When people start asking Harry, "Oh, is it true you can produce a full Patronus?" Like I didn't think the other students would know about it because Harry learned about it because Lupin took him aside and you know gave him special. It's not like they read about it in in class yeah. or anything. I think um, it it also could be that you know they're in this tiny little compartment and these Dementors are coming into the compartment and you know. Crap's blown around. It's getting really dark. It may have been hard to make out what Lupin was actually doing. I mean, sure, the Patronus may have been bright, but still, you know, 
may have been a little difficult to see. Well, I mean, I mean, thirteen-year-olds aren't supposed to know what Patronuses are, I guess. You know, to be honest. So yes, it's too above them because they're not supposed to deal with dementors either. Mm-hmm. So it's time now for a chapter by chapter, chapter seven through nine of Prisoner of Azkaban. You guys may remember that last week I asked, I issued a listener challenge. I said we need a. Uh, a segment intro. We need a, well, er, actually, Eric suggested we need a segment intro for the show. So I asked listeners to come up with some. I'll come up with one eventually. But, um, this first one, uh, Kurt submitted this one. I have not played this yet. So this is going to be a surprise for all of us. Let's hear Kurt's intro for chapter by chapter. Look at that. It's robotic. That is awesome. I feel like we have Kevin Steck in our midst. That's awesome. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you, Kurt. And uh, send in your own chapter-by-chapter intro to andrew at staff.mugglenet.com. But you have to top that one, and that one was pretty cool. The typewriter going. Send it as an attachment. It was like Joe's typing the book away, and we're going (laughs) chapter-by-chapter. Okay, so uh, Eric's going to take chapter 7, I'm going to take chapter 8. In terms of leading the discussion, of course, it's going to be a wonderful group discussion. And then Micah's got chapter 9, so go ahead, Eric. All right. Well, chapter 7 is titled The Boggart in the Wardrobe, and it begins with uh, begins in potions class the day following the attack. Uh, Malfoy getting attacked by Buckbeak. And he st- Malfoy stumbles into the potions dungeon, um, you know, putting on a show and swaggers, uh, you know, over to his table. And, uh, Pansy Parkinson makes this show of, you know, proclaiming loudly, Oh, Draco, are you okay? And, and Draco's like limping to the table. And, uh, it's a bit interesting because I, I, I was thinking ahead and I, I wanted to mention how Draco and Pansy kind of interact. And, uh, it seems like Pansy, uh, is always there when, when he's, you know, trying to cause, uh, Harry some grief. Um, but to no avail. You know, we know that Draco ends up with someone else entirely uh, who isn't Pansy Parkinson. And I, I just wanted to comment, uh, what do you think Pansy's motives are, uh, you know, throughout the series? Do you think she really wanted to be with Draco and he just wasn't seeing it? Or I think it could just be the power thing. Like, she sees him as powerful and she just likes him. I don't know. I, I think it's genuine. Like, she seems to always like being around him and... But but then there's that thing, and I think it's Half Blood Prince. Just before um, Draco stamps on Harry's face, when she he says something like I don't know, and she smirks like like she's pleased that he likes her or something, and she's stroking his hair. I can't remember exactly what, but I think she does yeah. like him. It's um, I always saw it sort of just as a little crush thing, possibly friends with benefits, you know. It may be one of those things that it would be cool to hear Joe reveal later on. Oh, yes, Draco and Pansy. They were very smitten with each other. They shared a lot of time privately. And, and they called slithered. each other bottom. <laughs> In the slither, it, it, yeah, them. it seems like by the, t- by the time book six around, you know, comes around, Draco's got this mission from Voldemort to do. So Yeah, he's sort of, he's sort of like over girls at that point, which is weird. Like, yeah. it would have been great to see Draco into some, into some girls. Well, he does run around with uh, Crab and Goyle as, like, 11-year-old girls. <laughs> You're saying they're 11-year-old that's girls? Can- that's canon. That is canon, interesting uh, speculation. Don't- well, I mean, I-, I couldn't really see, like... I mean, the-, the books are written through Harry's perspective, so if 
if it was, it'd be kind of weird if all of a sudden, you know, it was like there's like a chapter in the middle that was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's, let's just go to the common room, the Slytherin common room, and you know, uh, well, she was going getting on hot and heavy there. between Draco and Pansy. <laughs> yeah, maybe Harry could ki- catch him snogging in the hallway. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, next point, they're in potions class, and of course Malfoy gets um, Ron, well, was Snape to get Ron and Harry to help him with his potions because his arm is all messed up, and so Snape uh, gets Ron and Harry to to help uh, Malfoy. And during all of this, Neville is ruining his um, his own potion. They're making shrinking solution, um, and. What I thought was awesome is that knowing that Snape is the Half-Blood Prince, um, he's able to tell Neville exactly where he went wrong, basically. And I mean, this comes from, I guess, being a potions master long enough, but he's making, um, you know, Harry, or he's making Ron recut the roots that he mashed and all this stuff when I, I just can't help but thinking that, I mean, Snape is obviously being really cruel to Gryffindor. And this is early on in the series, so we don't yet see Snape as a dramatic, you know, character. We really just see him as this big jerk. Um, and that's really interesting to see, you know, Snape be a villain, um, to the Gryffindors. Yeah. I mean, he's absolutely terrible in these chapters. I mean, to the point of just being, uh, evil. And there's really no need for it. I mean, it, and he does that a lot where he'll, he'll pair, you know, Ron and, and Harry up with Draco or have him or have those two help Draco out. And, uh, there's really no need for it. I mean, and it, it, it's just, he makes it unbearable at points, uh, his character anyway. Yeah. And I mean, he's, he also in this chapter threatens to, I mean, when Neville screws up his shrinking solution, he says, well, we'll feed it to your toad. We'll feed it to Trevor, you know, and see if you're, you know, see how it happens. And he, and he even says at one point that if it fails, it will be poison to the toad. And luckily Hermione could, you know, covertly help Neville. But, but is he really um, being that cruel or is he just trying to challenge the students to do it right? When he picks on Neville, he's, he's being cruel. Well, maybe Neville needs to be picked on. He needs to toughen up. Yeah, he needs to step his game up. You know, he's probably producing Grace all these subpar potions. And, you know. Do you think Neville is the, the really cool, um, you know, dangerous uh, go-getter that he is in, in book seven uh, that we see? You know, because Snape and and all these teachers, you know, said that he didn't have what it takes as a, as a you know. They probably partly, but it's more just him. his life and stuff. Like. You know, he's been depressed since his parents were in the thing, and he was kind of a breakout character. He had to do something pretty cool. Um, so anyway, still during potions class, while while uh, while Harry and Ron are, are working on Malfoy's potion, uh, Draco says, "If it were me, I'd want revenge." He's talking about Sirius Black because uh, they've you know he's been cited somewhere, and this really confused me for a minute because. Um, the whole wizarding world at this point in the in the series believes that Sirius Black um led to the Potter's downfall, that he was actually on Voldemort's side. But Draco is the son of Lucius, who's a who's a who's a Death Eater, and my question is, would the Death Eaters have known that Sirius wasn't actually on their side? Or if things had gone differently, would Sirius have been able to like later on infiltrate like the Death Eater? Because he's got this reputation for being such you know, a Voldemort supporter. Do you think that all of the Death Eaters are aware of who is who exactly is like on their side, or do you think like no? Of course they, they're not. So then, then in that case, then Lucius may not have known. Like he may have just figured, oh, it turns out Black was working for us all along, kind of thing. I don't think anyone knew apart from those two. Like 
you know, the fact that they switched last minute, hardly anyone knew, first of all. Um, and, you know, when there was such a hoo-ha about who Snape was war- working for, I doubt anyone really knew who was working for. And in these, you know, situations where there's a dictator or whatever, and, um, and you know, there's fear and stuff, you really don't know who's working for who. Anyone doesn't. So I doubt that's a big, big thing. You yeah, know? I-, I think the bigger issue in all this is that Harry doesn't know, and he's one of the few who don't, doesn't know, that Black killed his parents, or or at least that's, or gave the information away that led to the death of his parents. He has no idea. And even somebody like Draco, who's his own age, knows the story, and yet Harry doesn't. And I, I think that's yeah. kind of messed up in a way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's interesting, and I, I guess I, you know, I was questioning too, because I guess Peter Pettigrew... You know, many people, you're right, Jamie, they don't know about this specific shield charm that he was a secret keeper because, I mean, Fudge says this much later. But at the same time, you know, Vol- Sirius is – Black is, 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 is synonymous with the Potter's demise almost. So it's very interesting, you know, to see Draco um, saying this when, in fact, it's – you know, I wondered how much that could actually benefit Sirius if he had needed to infiltrate the ministry before the events of Book 3. I don't – I was a little confused. But um, anyway, moving on. Uh, Snape, uh, when all this, they leave potions class, basically, uh, Hermione was able to help Neville with his potion, and, uh, Snape takes five points from Gryffindor. I don't think we've ever brought this up on the show before, but when a teacher just says five points from Gryffindor, we are to assume that that actually happens, that Gryffindor house loses five points. Um, in, in book four, there's, uh, it's said that there's actually hourglasses that have jewels in them that show how many points each house has at any point during right. the year. We see them um, in the movie so, too. In the, in the Great Hall. Really? Yeah. Are Go you sure those weren't just, no, are I'm they positive. In every movie or? Okay. Yeah, every movie. Great Hall be, uh, to, if you're, if you're looking at the teachers, you know, the, their little riser up there, if you look to the right, it's back there in that corner. Oh, it's I pretty big. It I thought it was in the entrance hall, not the Great Hall. Maybe that's a well in the in the movie. It's in the Great Hall. Oh, cool. Well, um, maybe it's so, different in the book. Yeah. So when a teacher just says five points from Gryffindor, is that like a nonverbal spell? Do you guys think? How do you guys think that works? Well, if they say it, it would be verbal. Well, I mean, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, um, like a, a wandless magic. Yeah, it's some sort of. A, I would think like the castle's enchanted, and whenever it hears it, or whenever or the maybe, castle hears. Like this whole this whole point system is a bit ridiculous because there's no like it's really arbitrary, you know. No, but you know what? I was thinking about it, and it's the only way you can enforce students at the school. Like well, this is the only. What are you talking about? Because is this for the only exa- way, because when what else? Are they, okay, detention. That's another way. But when Harry does, you know, when he does something wrong, when Snape detracts, takes away points, it really gets them because it affects their house as a whole. So they want to stay in line. Or else they're going to affect their entire class. Right, but it's stupid. I could be like, oh, 100 points to Gryffindor. Good answer, 50 points. They keep it within reason. There seems to be some sort of guidelines that they follow. It's true, though. Um, But then then Lupin, later on in the chapter, does give, like, five points to everyone who tackled the Boggart. Um, so that's like all of Gryffindor just gains, like, 60 points. So it is, it is subjective, but at the same time, it's not. You know, so that, that was my question with that. Um, so we get to meet P- 
Professor Lupin, finally. It's Defense Against the Dark Arts in the afternoon. Um, Hermione's done some time traveling and stuff in the chapter. Um, Lupin enters and greets his first class, and it's remarked that he looks like he's had a few square meals uh, since the event on the train, which makes me laugh, because knowing he's a werewolf, what did he eat? <laughs> um, but they head off to... What did he eat? What did he eat? Small children. Small children. Oh, oh my. Get it? Uh, the tears of small children, more <laughs> specifically. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they head off to the staff room, uh, and on the way they meet Peeves the poltergeist. And Harry makes this this note here that, that Peeves usually respects teachers. Um, but then at first, you know, when it comes to Lupin, Lupin greets him and says, I wouldn't do that if I were you. He's sticking gum in a hole or something in a keyhole. And Peeves... Uh, first ignores him and then begins singing a sort singing a song about him you know, loony loony lupin yeah. and it's interesting because I, I you know i wanted to guess since lupin had been at hogwarts as a kid i wonder if lupin and peeves like know each other have a backstory they gotta know each other i mean certainly they know of each other but specifically i mean because lupin was a pretty special case back in hogwarts you know yeah yeah and yeah, that song I, he sings, you know, saying Looney Lupin, Looney is like from the moon. So it's right, like, right. Yeah, I bet yeah. he knows what's up. Yeah, so that was... In regards know, to we the never, whole werewolf We thing. never really got... Did we get Peeves resolved at all in, in book seven? I can't remember. There's a lot of uh, open-ended sure questions. sure he was part of the battle. The story mean. Okay. I don't remember, yeah, I think to he's be honest, mentioned. but... I think I think I, I think I remember hearing him mention. Did, did the uh, p- the directors or the producers ever mention why they didn't put him in the movies? I think expenses. No, it wasn't. It was Rick Mail or Moore or whatever, however you say his name was going to do it, but then he had a contractual disagreement. I think really? so. They didn't put him in in the end. Yeah, Pre- pretty sure it was that. Well, they could have replaced the actor, couldn't they? Well, true. Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, that's true. Huh? Maybe it was one of those like coin toss. You know? I think it's another stupid time thing. I mean, they have some ghosts in there. How many ghosts do they need? Yeah, that's yeah. true. Huh? Go ahead. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. So they get into the staff room. Um. Well, first Lupin shows off. Uh. And hits peas. Um. With gum. And then they get into the to the to the staff room. Snape is in there. <laughs> Seems like after he tortures Gryffindors, he likes to have a long cup of tea. Um, in the staff room, and we meet, uh, or, or Lupin <clears throat> introduces them to a Bogart, which is, um, according to Lupin, Bogarts like wardrobes, the gap under beds, and the cupboards under sinks. And I wanted to mention that with this, with this introduction of a fantastic creature like Bogarts, Joe Rowling has provided a magical answer to a sink that would make noise, the monster in the closet, and monster under the bed muggle experiences. So if muggles have, you know, oh, I have a monster under my bed, it could be a boggart. I think they're kind of perverted. They're always they're always hiding in places where they can see you naked. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> well, there's no boggart in the shower. <laughs> no, uh, the cupboard under the sink, That's that's that could be by a shower. That was my <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like... But boggarts... But Bogarts are really cool creatures, and I just I really like that tie into uh, the real world, you know, because I mean, who hasn't thought there was a monster in their bed or under their right, closet? Right, right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, they they face off. They beat. They get the Bogarts, and it's pretty much verbatim in the movie as well. Um, but Lupin doesn't choose Harry, and Harry feels guilty. You know, Harry's like when when Lupin's first describing the Bogart, Harry's like, "Oh, great." 
you know what's going to happen. I'm going to I'm going to have to think about Voldemort and Voldemort's going to show up or then he gets the image of the mentor. Well, anyway, it comes time for Harry. Harry's like next in line to face the Boggart and Lupin stops, you know, the whole class, shouts at the Boggart here and confuses the Boggart. Boggart changes into a moon um or a, a silvery orb in the books and um Lupin diffuses that's the end of class. So Hermione and Harry don't get a chance at the Boggart. And this is addressed later um Harry, you know, Harry asks Lupin why, and he says why. Um, but Hermione doesn't get chosen. What do you guys think Hermione's Boggart would have well, been? Well, why doesn't she get chosen? Is it just the line order, and Lupin wanted to stop it before you know anyone after Harry is screwed? I mean, well, I, I, I thought that was yeah, a bit ridiculous because um, you added this question in there, Andrew. You were like, "Yeah, you know, why doesn't Hermione get you know chosen?" Doesn't Hermione encounter a Boggart in Book Five, and it's McGonagall telling her that she failed every class? That, no, that was the end of book three. That's the final exam, isn't it? That's just the final oh, yeah, exam yeah, of book yeah, three yeah. when they're running through the tires. Yeah, you're right, though. But I think that just kind of signposts how serious the book gets because that's such a – sorry, Hermione, but crap, bog it, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, it is. And then I'm sure she wouldn't see that in book four, five, six, and seven. I'm sure she'd see something a bit more serious. Although it kind of bothered me because some of the other boggarts were were a bit ridiculous too. I mean, I can't remember them offhand right now, but I was just reading them and thinking like, what is this? Like, th- this is really their, the, the thing that they're scared of most? Yeah. Well, Seamus is scared of banshees. I mean, that's pretty creepy. That's pretty yeah, specific. Like, yeah, yeah. Way too specific, a banshee. Yeah. Uh, somebody was scared of a rat. Like, is that really their biggest fear? Rats? But uh, I think yeah, you need it, to avoid nev- the whole, like, family dying and bad stuff happening, because you can't really have that in a bogger. I mean, you can, because Mrs. Weasley sees it, but that's su- such a cop-out, because if you ask anyone, what is your bogger, then they're going to be like, oh, it's seeing, like, everything going wrong and my family dying and people dear to me. You know, I, I mm-hmm. guess you have to go over that and say what you're actually most scared of, mystical beings and stuff like that. Cause... Right, and when you think of ra- something like rats, does it necessarily have to mean, like, literally rats? Or could like it be, like, the symbolic... Yeah. and also, don't forget... You know, like, what okay. a rat is. 1984 as well. Rats are very significant in that, if you read that. Yeah, and I guess Joe also maybe wanted to keep it comical. And 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 Lupin explains it as um, Harry says, "But I didn't do anything." And he says, "Well, you and Hermione answered my questions in the beginning of class, so they did get something. They still, both of them did get five points, even though both of them have not uh, participated in the Boggart just yet." Um, second to last note of the chapter: um, Lupin's Boggart is described in the book as a silvery orb, which Parvati Patil wonders loudly why it is a crystal ball that Lupin is afraid of. This is one of those things which I wish they had done better in the movie, which leads to my next point, really, uh, that it's described as a silvery orb. It's kind of very ambiguous. At this point, obviously in the book, that Lupin is a werewolf. But in the movie, um, when it comes time for Lupin to jump in front of Harry and change his boggart um, into the moon, it's very clearly the moon with parting clouds and stars in the sky. <laughs> you guys remember this? This is this yeah. was this was ridiculous. It's there's no mistaking that it's the moon in the movie. Right. Well, I mean, obviously, I think they wanted to make it clear in the movie to start giving people some very clear hints of what Lupin actually is. So they do that a lot, though. I mean, if you look at what happens in the Goblet of Fire with Mad Eye Moody or Imposter Moody, I mean, he's swigging from that flask like every five minutes. Yeah. 
And the lightning. Remember when he comes in the Great Hall for the first time and <laughs> the lightning <Yeah>. strikes? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, before we get into the next chapter, I have a question for all of you. Actually, this, this question comes from Josh Bolton of the UK. He says, hey, guys, if each of the hosts had to face a Bogart, what would it have turned into? Ben? You're Bogart. And Ben, and what ben would it have let's been? go away from the whole f- family dying, bad stuff happening thing. Yeah, keep it light. But be serious. Go for too. Like nightmare stuff, you know, you know. That there would never that I'd refresh my iTunes feed and there would never be a new episode of MuggleCast. <laughs> I don't know how that turns I, into a bogger, and I guess you get a free <laughs> iMac out of it. <laughs> Jamie, how about you? Uh, well, um have you guys ever seen the never ending story? Oh yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. Do that you know, dog like thing? Yeah, Gamork. Do you remember Gamork? The werewolfy vampire type thing? Yeah. I had about four million bad dreams about him when I was a child. My girlfriend did it as, as well. That must be a match made in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Two bottoms. <laughs> yes, exactly, man. But yeah, it, it would be that, just coming at me from all angles. And, and uh, oh, yeah. I have a similar one to that, actually. My, my, my dad had a uh, miniature, not min- I guess it was like two feet tall, Groucho Marx statue in the basement. I would never go in the basement alone because I was scared crapless of that thing. So I think if one of those things, like, that's probably still my greatest fear deep down, like, it coming to life. Because <laughs> I used to be so scared of it. Uh, Eric? <laughs> um, I think you guys can back me up on this, having been there. I think my Bogart would probably be Ben using my razor to shave. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, I convinced Just like, Ben I had, with that like, grin this... on his face. You know, halfway I had like through, this, uh... halfway through shaving his beard, some shaving cream on the mirror, just looking at me and grinning. Because I had like this, like this, like scab on my face, and I told Eric that I shaved the scab with his razor. Oh, and yeah, he started crying. And and Micah, lastly, I think I think it's all along the same lines as like you and Jamie with uh, who. The guy who always creeped me out was, and actually, uh, we had him on the show, who plays the Leprechaun. That character, though, used to creep the hell out of me. You know what? You're right. (laughs) Yeah, Ben. I agree. That was terrifying. When he jumped up and down on that guy's butt and and sung that song. Yeah, that was horrible, the Leprechaun. All right. Well, thanks, Josh, for that email. Let's get in now to Chapter 8, Flight of the Fat Lady. Uh, The students take a liking to... Lupin because of his great class lessons, uh, but on the other hand, Hagrid's classes get lame because he lost conf- confidence after the Hippogriff incident. Um, so Harry enters the start of the Quidditch season with a pep talk by Oliver Wood to the team, and they all tell each other how amazing they are. And uh, Oliver is particularly That's like an episode of MuggleCast. <laughs> ben, you were great today. <laughs> no, I made you. No, you. Yeah, yeah, you made me. Yeah. Um, and Oliver is particularly motivated to win this year because it's his final year at Hogwarts, and he hasn't won the uh, the House Cup yet, so he really wants to win it. Quidditch Cup, Andrew. Quidditch, Quidditch Cup. Quidditch Cup. Whatever. Quidditch Cup. House Cup's different. You're right. You're sorry. You're absolutely right. Um, so Harry comes back from practice one day and uh, and learns that the first hog Hogsmeade trip is on Halloween, and Harry gets upset and decides he'll ask uh, McGonagall if he can go. Um, but before that. We have another round of uh, Scabbers versus Crookshanks. I think we sort of kicked off this little running joke last week. So what is this, round three or four? Three. <laughs> so round three, uh, it starts off with Ron. He doesn't approve of Crookshanks bringing a large dead spider into the common room to eat in front of him. 
So out of nowhere, Crookshanks pounces on Ron's bag where Scabbers is sleeping inside. Ron says to Hermione, there's something funny about that animal, referring to Crookshanks. But I found that kind of ironic in that there's actually something wrong with Scabbers. But does Crookshanks sense that Scabbers is not a real rat? Like, why yes. does he keep going after yes, him? Yes, because he's, he's been talking to Sirius. Crookshanks has been talking to Sirius in his dog form, and he has told Sirius has communicated to Crookshanks that Scabbers is not really a rat and is Peter Pettigrew. Oh, is this in the books? It yes, is. it is. Wow, I feel... Um, okay, but Jay, Joe has confirmed that Crookshanks is also a nasal, and so Crookshanks can tell the difference between if something's an animal or an animagi, like a, a person oh. inside. So that's why I thought, like, not even, you know, serious talking to Crookshanks, but you're right, that that obviously has happened, um, and it is in that book. Um, Crookshanks knows that there's something off about Scabbers, even in the pet shop, um, when when he jumps on Ron's head. Uh, because Ron's standing there trying to get Scabbers some tonic or something, and Crookshanks jumps on his head, and that's because I, I think you know that Crookshanks, being a nasal, having being a cat with you know some magical powers, um, is right. able to know that that Scabbers is actually not all he seems to be. So I, I think that there is just this innate you know ability for Crookshanks to say that Scabbers is not normal, and and you know to hate him and chase him because of that. And it sort of draws into my parallel that I was drawing last week about um, uh, Hermione, the Hermione and Ron relationship sort of paralleling um, uh, Crookshanks and Scabbers in that they both sort of <laughs> fight with each other. Um, yeah. So, moving on. Before Transfiguration, we see Lavender Brown crying outside the classroom. Lavender has learned that a rabbit, Binky, has died. She received an owl from her family about it um, that morning. And uh, today's the 16th of October, and as Lavender points out, Trelawney had made a prediction for Lavender, which said, quote, that thing you're dreading, it will happen on the 16th of October. Now, Hermione, being a very smart student, is skeptical skeptical of this, of uh, Trelawney and her predictions, and points out that A, Binky didn't actually die today, she only received the out today, and B, Lavender could not have been dreading Binky's death, death as Binky is only a baby. So... Do you guys think this was an accurate, accurate, like, was it legitimate or did, did, uh, she just get really lucky, Trelawney? It, it wasn't legitimate. I mean, I think anything could have happened that day. And I think that whole point of that, that happening was, um, to like further affirm Hermione's skepticism of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, that whole branch of magic. Um, and, in this area, Ron is also still PO'd about the latest Crookshanks attack, so uh, he tells Lavender not to listen to Hermione because Hermione doesn't care for other people's pets. <laughs> See, I, I'm going to write a complaint letter to Hogwarts, though. Who who separates a young Gryffindor girl from her pet baby bunny? Honestly, why couldn't Lavender have taken Binky to Hogwarts? Is it only because an owl smell. or a cat or a toad? <laughs> Come on, a toad? Really, they're old-fashioned. They need to let rabbits into Hogwarts. I think I that's. Know. I think that needs to happen. So after Transfiguration, Harry attempts to get Professor McGonagall's permission to go to Hogsmeade, but she says no, as a parent or guardian must sign the form. And this is one of those plot points in the series that makes his readers feel bad for Harry because you know he's being left out of a group event because he has crappy guardians, and that must suck. So at this point. Um, I think first-time readers realize that Harry will definitely find another way. I don't okay. get why. Why wouldn't Harry just forge the signature? 
I mean, that's what well, I used to do. Doesn't somebody offer for Harry, and then he he says he already told Professor McGonagall that he did. That's he, exactly that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, yeah, Harry's just being honest that his his uncle and his aunt. I, I thought this this response was a cop out. I mean, obviously they don't want Harry leaving the castle because Hogsmeade is is less protected than Hogwarts and it's very dangerous with Sirius Black on the run. So I thought that honestly, this whole needs to be a parent or guardian thing was kind of crap. The yeah. head of his house, you know, should I, I mean, how how did Voldemort do it? Voldemort was an orphan. Did he ever go to Hogsmeade? Ma- What's McGonagall should have just said straight up, "No, you can't go because it's not safe at Hogsmeade." Simple yeah. as that. And then draw suspicion. I'll sign it if uh I can be with you the whole time or yeah. Dumbledore can. Exactly. What about chaperones, huh? Yeah. Yeah, there you Hagrid go. Hagrid would do that. Hagrid would. Moving along, he was their friend. Jamie, did you want to make a point now? Or? <laughs> oh, no. I was going to say about that previous one, about the rabbit, that you said they can't be allowed in Hogwarts because they smell. Well, in in seven books, you don't ever see any student wash once. So, <laughs> you see Harry. I don't think a rabbit's going to be the problem. Harry does oh, yeah, you that. see him in the... Yeah, only because he well, has to open an egg. Right. <laughs> they only wash if they have to uh, figure out what's next in the Triwizard Tournament. Do you remember that article that came out a long time ago? It was like, take a you shower, Harry. Yeah. Before. <laughs> All right, so moving along, Halloween arrives and the students go to Hogsmeade. And while Harry mopes around the castle, he ends up running into Lupin, who invites him back to his office for tea. Uh, Harry, <laughs> Harry asks Lupin why he didn't let Harry go up against the Boggart. And Lupin explains he thought it would turn into Voldemort. Uh, Harry says it would have become a Dementor. And there's a good line from Lupin here. That suggests that what you fear most of all is fear. Very wise, Harry. He totally ripped that off from FDR. (laughs) (laughs) So Snape enters while Harry and Lupin are talking to deliver a potion for Lupin. And uh, after Snape, who's looking very worried at the situation, leaves, Lupin tells Harry he's he's been feeling a bit off color. So that's why Snape brewed him a potion. Um, and I assume by feeling off color, he means feeling like he wants the howl. Or imprint. Or imprint. The kids return from Hogsmeade, and Ron delivers some brilliantly colored sweets into Harry's lap. Ron and Hermione tell him about their trip. They're not just trip. sweets. They're brilliantly colored. Yes. Great English writing. British writing. Ron and Hermione tell him about their trip. Um, and, and, uh, reading the description of Hogsmeade from Ron and Hermione got me really excited for the theme park because that whole, like, two paragraphs is exactly what they're putting in the theme park. I mean, Dervish and Bangs, the Allery, um, Zonkos. Like, they're putting all that stuff in the park. It's going to be incredible. Oh. <laughs> what about Madame Puttyfoots? Uh, maybe not that. That's for the next one. So they head to the feast and have a great time. But after the feast ends, they head back up to the dormitory where they find that the area outside of the portrait is packed with students <gasps> to get into the Gryffindor common room. I am a prefect. Move along. Percy heads to the front of the line and sees the portrait is torn up without the fat lady inside of it. So he summons Dumbledore. And Dumbledore and Peeves show up at the same time. Peeves, re- Peeves reveals that she ran away, having been so ashamed that Sirius Black tore up her portrait after being refused entrance to the common room. So time for some uh, theorizing. Why is Sirius trying to get in? Can't he tell that everyone is down in the Great Hall? And what would be his purpose of gaining entrance other than waiting for to Harry? No, no, to kill, kill Pettigrew. But still, why is he... Do you think he knew that the rat was there or maybe Ron had him down in the Great Hall? 
Yeah. I think he was just pretty desperate by then. He just wanted to like get to him as soon as possible. Yeah, know? he was malnourished, a little bit wacky. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, R- Ron had speculated, uh, or he does speculate in the next chapter that uh, Sirius lost track of time and didn't realize it was Halloween. So therefore, thinking Harry would be in the tower. So that's it for chapter eight. Now, chapter nine, Micah Tannenbaum will wrap it up. Bring right, it home, Micah. Nine. Bring it home. All right. Grim defeat. So uh, as Andrew mentioned, all the students are sent into the Great Hall to spend the night there. And uh, all of a sudden, as you would expect with a bunch of you know 13-year-olds and teenagers, there, there are whispers. How did Black manage to get into the castle? And this is, again, showing Hermione's intelligence where she starts shooting down all the popular theories that are out there. Well, he used the disguise. Well, he flew on his broomstick. Well, he apparated. And uh, she keeps referencing Hogwarts' history, which, you know, seems to be like her, she carries it everywhere she goes, or it's her little, you know, reference guide, handbook, whatever you want to call it. So is she the only one to have read this? Does does this also show that the other students just don't pay enough attention? Or is it just that they're too young to to maybe even think oh you can't operate into hogwarts oh you can't fly because the castle's protected by things other than just uh you know it's walls it's the fear as well i think everyone else is like pretty scared where she's keeping calm so she's like no 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 you can't do that i just don't think people read the books like if yeah. I, when i was their age i did not read school books right though. yeah you know and and a, and a history of magic is like the most boring class and that's where they would probably cover anything about yeah, exactly, the history of yeah. hogwarts so everyone yeah they could certainly lime it up history of magic you know why does it have to be the most boring subject of them all cuz it's taught by a ghost yeah hmm. that's yeah that's why but it's not you know it could be really exciting yeah, yeah. true but her mind is just very, very practical about it. I mean, she just, she's like, well, if he was in a disguise, the Dementors would recognize or wouldn't be fooled by it. Right. If he was flying, he wouldn't be able to get past the, the curses or whatever charms that are on the castle. If he apparated, it wouldn't work because you can't apparate inside Hogwarts. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. It is logic, Dumbledore. too. I mean, Dementors definitely aren't in Hogwarts history, but... Uh, I just remembered her doing that logic puzzle, the Snape's potion logic puzzle at the end of book one. Um, you know, she's really good with logic, so. Yeah. All right, well, during this whole scene, uh, we see that Percy gets left in charge as the head boy, and, uh, you know, we hear, overhear a lot of conversations between him and Dumbledore, and to me, it's interesting to see his interaction with Dumbledore. Uh, he really loves the attention of those that are in positions of high authority and power, and, uh, you can see that here with Dumbledore, and, you know, obviously that changes as we move on throughout the series, uh, so I was wondering, does that make him more like Slughorn or more like Umbridge? <laughs> I thought of Slughorn first, I must say. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know why, but then thinking about it, I think it's probably a bit more like um, Umbridge. Because, but I don't know. It depends if he likes the power or he just likes being able to use the power to his own benefit. I think Umbridge likes the power, whereas Slughorn just likes what can come of knowing people who are in power. So well, I guess he's... A bit of both, really. I mean, if we're talking about when they were all were sleeping in the Great Hall, I would think Percy was being more of an umbrage there in terms of, you know, telling people to just be quiet. Like, that was very, I don't know, bitchy. Well, see, we know umbrage as having set the Dementors to attack Privet Drive. So, I mean, mm-hmm. w- w- it's different from what he knows umbrage as. Umbrage to him could be actually just a high-ranking politician who, you know, 
got there on her own, you yeah. know, and it is actually probably quite respectable. But, yeah. but in terms and, of how of how he's going, like how he's abusing his power, not necessarily abusing his power, but pushing the limits of it by, you know, telling people, oh, be quiet, be quiet. Yeah, because yeah. Like, a lot of people who are in positions of power, they have so little control over so much else in their life. And if you look at the way that Percy grew up and, you know, he's used to being poor and et cetera, et cetera. So perhaps he, you know, was a little, a little bit, uh, took some liberties with uh, the power he was given. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely pompous in these scenes, too. I mean, he's interacting with the headmaster, and he wants to make it seem almost as if the, at least the people around him can hear what's going on because his job is so important. You know, he's talking about Sirius Black with the headmaster of Hogwarts. And, you know, something else that came up here that one person sent a tweet in on, uh, the Tilly, she said that in Chapter 9, Percy looks abashed when Dumbledore talks about the Dementors. Is this an indication of Percy's blind faith in the Ministry? And this is, of course, when Dumbledore makes his statement um, about how, as long as he's in charge of the school, no Dementor would ever cross the threshold of the castle. So again, I mean, are we getting a little insight into Percy's character and, and you know how his relationship with the Ministry is going to be moving forward? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think this is sort of uh, some subtle foreshadowing without really being foreshadowing. <laughs> All right. It's just a sign and, of uh, his development. Some more conversation goes on uh, between Snape and Dumbledore, and this is overheard by the trio. And we learn that Snape had voiced his disapproval of someone's appointment at the beginning of the term. And so the obvious question would be, who does he think could have been helping Black get into the castle? Now, there were two professors that were appointed at the beginning of the term, one was Lupin, the other was Hagrid. And I guess given Defense Against the Dark Art Professor's track record, he's probably talking about Lupin. Yeah, he's yeah. probably talking I mean, about Lupin. He doesn't have much against Hagrid, does he? So, Not really. So as the after this huge in- incident with Black bl- breaking into the castle, you know, Harry starts to get more protection. He has Percy following him around in the halls. Uh, there's a time where McGonagall calls him into his office to tell him about Sirius Black and (laughs) she learns that he is already aware at least of the fact that he's after Harry. Now again, this is one of the points where we could talk about should Harry have been told who Sirius was uh, in terms of his betrayal of his parents. I think it might have been a good time to tell him, but you know, obviously it plays out later on in the story. He was their friend! Exactly. And uh, even Madame Hooch has to supervise his Quidditch practice. And this, well, really quick, this goes back to what you guys were talking about in the previous chapter. With respect to Hogsmeade, why not just send somebody with him? Right. Because he didn't have the form signed, okay? Oh, who cares? (laughs) Well, they seem to be sticklers about that, and once they let one person get away with that, (laughs) then anyone can get away with it. So I think that's the perspective. Actually, if you guys have ever seen 24... Uh, you know, just just one guard, just one chaperone would not have been enough. If you're an accomplished wizard, you can you can get past the first guy. He killed thirteen people. Yeah, man, twelve. I remember. 12, That's true. 13. That's true. They don't know what Sirius is actually capable of. But regarding Micah's question, um, you know, I think Dumbledore should have sat down. I mean, this is this is so interesting that that Lupin is. You know, Lupin was one of the Potter's friends, and he's now a teacher at Hogwarts for this year. And the other friend of the Potter's, who isn't presumed dead um, or dead, is trying to kill him. Is going after Harry. This is so interesting and so personal. 
like unexpectedly so that these two friends of the Potters, one of them is a teacher and the other one is out to kill Harry, presumably. Right. You know, I really think Dumbledore should at least have more of a presence in this book than he does. Um, it's very interesting that Dumbledore. That's didn't. something we suffer from in a lot of the books, particularly Book Five as well. Well, and he, and he he explains why he says, you know, I was wrong, or at least yeah, you know, yeah. But to be for, late, it to be for it to be McGonagall to sit Harry down, you know, later right. is is kind of cheap. Onward, okay. Micah. So later on in the chapter, uh, Snape fills in for Lupin as a Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, and uh, interesting quote that he has, well, 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 I never thought I'd meet a third-year class who wouldn't even recognize a werewolf when they saw one. Oh, snap. Ooh. Ooh. He was mean. He was so bitter about this position. He was an ass. Yeah. We can say ass in this episode, right? Uh, yeah. Bitch uh, in earlier. this case, absolutely. It's justified. He was a slimy <laughs> 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 Can we say that again? But uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in this class, very similar to what went on in potions in the in the chapter that Eric did. And he intentionally asks questions he knows that Hermione will have the answer to about werewolves, then intentionally treats her cruelly. And he really took a lot of pleasure in criticizing Lupin's teaching style and setting homework on them. I mean, he's he's really just an unsufferable ass in this chapter. You're absolutely right. I think I think too. It's been so long. You know, I mean, even even though the the second war hasn't really picked up yet, it's been so long since Snape. Uh, you know, all he remembers is anymore is the school days of when Lupin, or actually, you know, I think his his anger, Snape's anger, really is directed at James Potter. But you know, both Harry and and Remus are the closest he's going to actually get to James Potter, who you know is married to his love too. So it, it's you know it's a big deal that to have Lupin back, and he's a werewolf, and I, he, Snape's just causing this ruckus. And you're right, but he's very personally affected. You know, I think by, well by that he is that's, yeah, yeah. that's a good point. They there are some reason the justifications, particularly about Lily and Harry. Um, but you know, he needs to get out and little out, have a little fun, quite frankly. He's one of those people, you know, you just can't break loose of this work ethic and, you know, just doesn't have any fun. The, the last part of this chapter has to deal with the Quidditch match. And this, I guess, would be round four between Crookshanks and ding, ding. Scabbers. Uh, Harry wakes up on the morning of the Quidditch He's match. He's feeling like P. Diddy. Feeling like P. Diddy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, he notices that Crookshanks is waiting at the door, and uh, he has to take him downstairs. And then he spends much of the morning, you know, stopping Crookshanks from getting back up uh, into the common room to go after uh, Scabbers. What a procrastinator! Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? He should be preparing for his match. Who cares if the if the cat ends up getting the rat, you know, shredding the rat? Yeah. It's J.K. Rowling's detailed world. Let it be. So the Quidditch match approaches, and uh, we get our first uh, introduction to Cedric Diggory, the Hufflepuff captain, and obviously he uh, he plays a <laughs> yeah. role a little bit later on in the series. Uh, interesting how Joe places these characters early on. I think we also, later on in this book, hear about Cho Chang. And Cedric's uh, kind of described in the book when he's introduced as sort of like a bigger guy, which Robert Pattinson in the movie is not. <laughs> he's, no, he's, he's, taller, he's a bit scrawny. No, he's taller. He comes down from a he's tree. Tall. I mean, he yes. just he jumps down in, from the tree. That's his intro. True. How, how tall is he? He's not that tall, is he, Robert I don't Pattinson? know. He's, 
He's probably like he's, 5'11". He's taller than Dan, but Dan's short. Yeah. So, but Dan's, you know, like, Dan's that's, like 5'7", isn't he? Yeah, five, he's six. pretty short like that. <laughs> Dan's tiny. Uh, doesn't Dan so look the, like a lizard? Yes, we'll discuss that after the show. Okay. The, uh, <laughs> the Quidditch match arrives, and uh, Harry's flying around, and uh, it's a really nasty day out, and all of a sudden, he sees the Grim in the sky. Mm-hmm. So... I was wondering, you know, was he forced into thinking this based on everything that's happened previously with seeing Sirius on Privet Drive and then the Grim on the cover of the book and Flourish and Blots, the Grim in his teacup? You know, is that – it just – there's so much going on that that's making you think that you're seeing things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so confused because – Sirius is actually at this Quidditch match, and he is in the stands, and so Harry, when he's falling, sees the dog, like actually physically sees the dog. But in the movie, the clouds part, and there's a grim in the sky. Is that how it was in the book? I, I forget. Was there actually like a No, grim? no, he sees him in the stands. He, so right. there's no the grim in the sky like there is in the movie, right? Right. In no, the book. it's kind of like no, the face both, of Satan in the Twin Towers. But I think Mike is right. Like, like he's so used to seeing the Grim at this point, he almost sort of like expects it, you know. So it's like, ah, oh, go figure. Of course, I see it here too. Yeah, yeah. It's just so interesting to see because I mean, this this time, serious is it serious or is it Malfoy and Crabbe go? Because they do that too. Um, pretending. No, to be, this this is when he's actually attacked yeah, by the Dementors. Pretending to be Dementors, but um, the actual Dementors are there. But Sirius wanted to catch Harry. At Quidditch, you know, wanted to see him do Quidditch, and uh, as a result, Harry trips out and sees the Grim. Right. So, I mean, there, it's just right. interesting that sometimes it's actually a black dog, and the other times it's this mythical Grim, either in its teacup or on the book. And yeah, you're right, Mike. I mean, he's Harry is being constantly reminded of his like impending death, and it's really an issue. Mm-hmm. All right. So, because it's the Dementors that actually attack him, and he he begins to, I guess learn more about what started on the train with all the screaming and and things like that and we're i think we're probably able to at this point in the series if we were reading it for the first time to figure out that it's actually a conversation between Voldemort and Lily Potter and uh, the big thing i thought that was revealed here was that Lily is actually offered to be spared by Voldemort because he tells her to stand aside and that caused a lot of speculation, I thought, early on, right? Before the other books were being released, you know, who was Lily to Voldemort? What did she mean? Uh, you know, what was her occupation was another big thing that, that would cause her to even have the opportunity to be spared. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So. Good point. And then just to wrap up the uh, the chapter, the Dementors cause Harry to fall from close to 50 feet in the air. We learned no. Dumbledore... And they do this in the movie. Um, you know, he kind of makes it so that Harry doesn't have Die. full impact onto the ground. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, well, there's the series. So Dumbledore is enraged at what happened, and uh, we learn from Hermione that he shot silver stuff at them. Ooh. How dare you <laughs> take my silver stuff? Pew, pew, pew. So, and then Harry's bloom goes into the Whomping Willow, and that no! sets up the plot for the firebolt which comes up in later chapters is destroyed no. is that the end of this chapter where they present it to him in the in the in the hospital yes, wing in the hospital wing and it's just a bunch of sticks but now it, uh, here's his chance to get the firebolt it's newer and better yes the nimbus 2000 was filled with childhood memories but who cares when there's something bigger and better 
that awaits. So that's it for chapter by chapter. But first, quote quiz. I oh, doubt quiz, it. Quiz, 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 quiz. Quote quiz, quiz, quiz. I doubt it will make much difference unless a mad axe man is waiting outside the doors to slaughter the first into the entrance hall. We gotta go. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. And what does Eric win, Andrew? He wins a brand new microphone. Just kidding. Yours is fine. Hey, Andrew. I didn't hear you do the thing, the introduction to that. I did. Quote, quiz, 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 quiz. Let's get to some emails and tweets from this chapter. We asked people to send in their feedback about these chapters. They read them before listening to the show. They are very well-prepared listeners. Erica9918 says, why is it that every Halloween something bad happens? In Sorcerer's Stone, the troll. In, in COS, Mrs. Norris gets petrified. And in Prisoner of Azkaban, Black breaks in. I think we did a Halloween discussion. Oh, on- we, did, we, did we talked about that, yeah, didn't we? Yeah. We did when we were doing chapter by chapter last book. So tune into that episode for yeah. the answer. Chapter 12, significance. Yep. Lou, Lou J writes, when Malfoy eggs on Harry about going and looking for Black, I find it interesting that it hints at how much Lucius really tells. Draco. Yeah, yeah it tells Draco, right. Well, that was kind of my question, too. Like, what does Lucius know about Sirius Black's allegiance? Uh, it's a good question. Mm, Andrea Nero writes, how did Malfoy know that Sirius had allegedly betrayed Harry's parents, parents but Ron didn't? They are both from wizarding families. I think Ron's parents may uh, have just kept like, it from they, him. They have so many kids; they're like running like a mill. You know what I mean? They're like <laughs> running, they're running like a boot camp. They're like they don't have time to sit everyone down. And Wickman says, "How does Lupin know their names before the first lesson? And why does he call them by first name when the other teachers? Because he's don't? different in that way. Isn't yeah, it? because he wants to. <laughs> he's personable. He wants to be personal. No, but he know? does. I noticed this too while reading. He does call Dean like Dean Thomas by his first name." And I don't know, like, I, 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 it made me think of whether or not he knew his dad or something, you know, it, because he's... It, no, no, it's because he and James Potter switch places. It, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> well, actually, That theory actually, was plausible, man. It was plausible, definitely. I know, you, you were, you were a big Galadriel Waters slash that theory supporter, Eric, I remember that. <laughs> that was, it was a plausible theory at the time. And I know some, I know some college professors who will get the, the students' pictures before the class even begins and memorize their names. That's true. Yeah, I bet anything. that's what they do. That's, I bet that's what they do. <laughs> yeah, Lupin's got no, nothing better to do. All right. Now, uh, here's a segment we haven't done in a while. Make the music connection. Yeah. Who wants to go first? show personality coming through? Yes. Me. I'll go first. You want to? Oh, I'm sorry, Jamie Benson. First, first. Oh. Yeah, but he's there, so... The lab, true, or, true. I probably said it first, really. Okay, we'll pick uh, no, no, some no, of the, the top songs. It. No, no, Jamie, you can. We'll All pick right. some of the uh, top hot songs right now. Um, Jamie, are you a fan of Kesha? Uh, no, no. All right. I don't know who it is. Really. Well, Wake try- up in the morning. Uh, not that song. Hold on, try this. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> Hold on, just wait for the chorus. Blah, blah, blah by Kesha. Just go off the song title. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. All right. Um, uh, blah, blah, blah. 
what I think in Harry Potter, quite a few of people have that attitude. Like they just blah blah blah. I've got magic. I don't have to worry about anything because when the push comes to shove, I can just cast a spell. However, the other side has magic as well, which I think is a point made by um, uh, Rufus Scrimgeour to um, the Muggle Prime Minister. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think um, that is the connection. The blah 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 attitude throughout Harry Potter. Nice. Um, yeah, I, sorry, I, I can't think of anything else. No, I was going to make like a Trelawney uh, connection because she's yeah. all you know, blah blah blah, with all these dumb uh, theories and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, that would have been a good one. <laughs> oh. that's ah, all right. That's all right. Um, all right, Ben, it's your turn. <laughs> this is Escape Me by Tiesto. Make the connection, Ben. Ben. Okay, Neville. Failure is never, never's, uh, Neville's uh, favorite thing. Oh. He, he continually fails. Yeah. But if you actually wait to the chorus where he's uh, singing Escape Me. Yeah. Where she's singing Escape Me, I would say that... Um, that's really Harry trying to break out, and, you know, become right. all he wants, or or maybe it's Dumbledore when he was a kid, <laughs> and that uh, that hidden side of him that was in love with Grindelwald. Mm, good one. Mm. All right, uh, Eric, here's your song. Today was a fairy tale by Taylor Swift. Oh wow! Magic. She said magic. Oh yeah. <laughs> what more do you need? This is Jenny. This is so Jenny. Yeah, this like, is Harry. In love hey, with Harry. hey, hey, who's who's making the music? Connection is this? Well, I'm sorry, you just disconnected over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, sure. Eric. Uh, yeah, this is how Harry is feeling um, when he has that one brief moment at the lake with Ginny in book six or or he actually it doesn't even happen in the books he references them later like i've been having nice walks along the lake with you but that's that's what happens in 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 six where he's you know there's this brief downtime he's actually with the girl he fancies and they're they're you know they have some good times before he does the spider-man thing Good point. All right. And Micah, you're the last one for today. Here we go. Telephone by Lady Gaga and Beyonce. Stop calling. Stop calling. I don't want to pick up anymore. How can you connect that? I got one. You got one, Ben, huh? Go ahead, Ben. It's Uncle Vernon. (laughs) (laughs) Stop calling. (laughs) (laughs) He yells at Ron. I love it. I love it. You could also also connect that with with all the owls coming into the home. (laughs) Stop, Alan. Stop, Alan. Oh, no. It's another song parody. (laughs) I don't want to pick rah, up. Rah. Oh la la. <laughs> uh, want y'all bad, wrong man. 
Okay, so uh, before we wrap up the show today, just a couple of announcements for you all. That was a fun segment, by the way. Don't forget to vote for us on Podcast Alley. It's now March. It's MuggleCast March, the one month that makes sense when you say MuggleCast March. What about MuggleCast May? Well, that's, oh, that's true. Good point. Thank you. <laughs> Forgot about my birthday month. Oh, oh, your birthday uh, month. Yeah, so that's what May is all about. <laughs> Shameless plug. Uh, uh, so, um, and Obama also, has declared May National Andrew Sims Month. And also, Infinitus2010.org coming up this July 15th. Are we doing a to- podcast there, Andrew? Yes! Yes, we are doing a podcast there. And uh, more details about that will be announced soon. But it's going to be uh, in Orlando, Florida at the Un- at Universal Studios Orlando, the resort. Um, the Universal announced. Oh, that is exciting. Universal announced a party in the park. The Ooh. Harry Potter theme park is going to be shutting Ooh. down and only attendees Ooh. of Infinitus are going to be able to attend. Ooh. And they got a lot of cool stuff planned for that. Jamie, will you be attending Infinitus? I know fans are dying to know. Oh, uh, when is it July? July 15th to the 18th in Orlando. No, I doubt I'll be going. I'm a working oh, man. If you start swimming now, you can make it. Off. Uh, ja- ladies and gentlemen, Jamie's looking for sponsors for his swim to Infinitus. <laughs> yeah. a mile. Someone's got to give me yeah, how mile. much money a mile. For swimming? I'll, I'll, I'll give you a penny Nautical a mile. Miles. You can afford more than that. Come on, guys. You, 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 you get to live in California. You, well, you can move well, somewhere else. We'll have to figure it out. Uh, I just episode. had this vision of Jamie like, like back floating in like the middle of the Atlantic, <laughs> just like oh, I'm so tired. Andrew. Just, just five honest. more minutes. <laughs> hey, ben, you couldn't have you couldn't have pure relaxation in the middle of the ocean. Oh no, you definitely couldn't. <laughs> so visit infinitus2010.org, and if you register to attend. Please put MuggleNet or MuggleCast in the referral box so they know who sent you. Finally, today, don't forget to visit MuggleCast.com. It's got everything you need pertaining to this show. Also, follow us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash MuggleCast (laughs) and (laughs) Facebook.com slash MuggleCast as well. Through our Twitter and Facebooks, we update you with the latest information regarding uh, uh, new episodes, what we're doing around the site, the podcast. Also, I have an exciting announcement. MuggleCast just surpassed 10,000 followers on Twitter. (gasps) What does this mean, Andrew? Well, we like to use Twitter, the Twitter account a lot to let everybody know what's going on with the show, and we hope you enjoy those updates. And uh, our Facebook fan page has 9,779 fans, so become a fan on Facebook and Twitter, twitter.com slash MuggleCast, facebook.com slash MuggleCast. You get all the information. I have one thing to say quickly. This is an environmental plea. Okay, now this one is the Shagos protected area, um, which is somewhere in the ocean. I'm not sure exactly where. However, um, as I'm sure all of you guys know, that um, however many thousands of millions of fish are dying and stuff like that, and the British government has a chance to create the world's largest conservation area in the ocean, and people have two days until Friday to register their s- support for it. So please, everyone, you don't have to live in Britain. Please, can you go to shagostrust.org, that's with a hyphen in between, and it's C-H-A-G-O-S. You guys can do it too. Um, I will. And go there and register your support. And you can write to the 
um, foreign secretary and tell them to do it. Please do it. It's going to take two minutes. Uh, please, everyone do that because it is important. It's some of the cleanest waters on earth and it's going to go if people don't protect it. So please, please go and do it. And uh, I'll post a link on my Twitter. That is twitter.com slash Lawrence Jamie. Um, so put it on there. Thanks, everyone, for listening. It's been another fun show. We'll see you all next time for episode 193. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Four. Ben Shane. 194, sorry. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Jamie Lawrence. And I'm Mike Tannenbaum. We'll see you next time for episode see 194. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Bye. 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 I'm Ben I'm Eric Scullin. Scullin. Oh! Sorry, Ben. Okay. While you were gone, I kind of usurped the title of, oh, of the oh, second order. Oh. Go, you, go ahead, Jamie. You do that oh. I made you. I made you, Eric. Technically, Eric made you, didn't he? <laughs> no, Eric didn't make me. No, I made Jamie, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah Eric made, made me. Before that. Eric made me, yeah. That's cool. Um... You're all arrogant, thinking you made each other. <laughs> <laughs> what Andrew made all of us. <laughs> Andrew made <laughs> Hey, hey, Andrew, Andrew, what what type of food is T H A I food? Thai. <laughs> I learned my lesson about that one a while ago. Yeah, what were you calling? Back it? in 2006, we were all in a car in LA somewhere, and we drove by a Thai place, and I said, "Oh, Thai or something." Uh, <laughs> said, "Oh, we should go and have some Thai food." I had never heard the word before. I didn't know. some Thai food. That sounds kind of <laughs> gross. All right. Yeah, good, Micah.